Hello, everybody, and welcome to Metal as Medicine. My name is Eric. My name is Terrence. I can't hear you. What? Oh, you're like less than whispering. Oh yeah, hi. <laughs> hi, Eric. I'm here. Hi, Terrence. I think I see you over there. Oh hey, sitting across the table from each other and whispering. Well, I like to whisper. Yeah, whispering is fun. It's my favorite pastime. Welcome to the podcast where we talk about metal and hard rock and Alter Bridge and beer. Alter Bridge? Yeah. Well, because you mentioned them earlier. Yeah. I like them. You yeah. haven't heard them. I have heard them, but I'm okay. not a big fan of them. Maybe as Why? much of a fan as Creed. Why are you not a fan of Alter Bridge? Mm. What's your exposure to My them? exposure to them would be uh, probably back when they first started. Because it was the Kit. guitarist that left Creed and started Alter Bridge. Is that correct? Mark Tremonti, correct. So it would probably be whatever the first album was, listening to that, and then that would be it. Dude. And that was how long ago? Like Kit. 15 years ago? Yes. Uh, I don't know if it's that long ago, actually. But you are totally missing out because shortly after the first album, it was kind of derivative a little, like slightly de derivative of the Creed sound. It had a harder edge to it and not so preachy with kind of the lyrics and stuff. Um, but Miles Kennedy was the lead singer, is the lead singer of Alter Bridge. And Miles Kennedy has grown in popularity in the last decade. He's uh, the main singer for Slash's band. Oh, okay. So if you've heard any kind of mainstream radio, you're absolutely familiar with Miles Kennedy's voice. I like him a lot as a singer. I can see how people um, don't like his voice. Mm -hmm. I would have to listen to it again. I'm sure I, I've heard it. Yeah. I just didn't know that it was him. Um, but as I was saying, uh, like, so that first album was kind of derivative, you know, a short hop, skip, jumping away from the Creed sound. Uh, yes, here it is. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, One Day Remains. Creed definitely did have some heavier kind of moments you know stuff that's like oh man i just wish they would push it a little bit further and they never really did mm -hmm. actually on the last album the very last creed album surprisingly there was like a third album that or fourth album that was released and didn't really get far anyway i'm done talking about creed the last uh alter bridge album last hero however is borderline metal it's like it's they really push the hard rock aspect of it and tons of really awesome riffing guitar solos everywhere mm, wow and you know i they don't have to you can tell that they're not being feeling pressure by record label to do you know to do a certain formula or to play a certain style so they're just doing whatever the heck they want and mm -hmm. recently um tremonti started his own band called Tremonti, which pushes that hard rock metal even further. Uh, so I do, I rec recommend. Yeah, it sounds interesting. It. Like I... if you're into guitar playing and stuff, why not? Why not check it out? But uh, I can see some people just not getting past that whole Creed aspect of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let's face it, they're another one of those bands that everyone owned a CD of theirs and just got sick of the band. Um, I Yeah, I'd have to go back and listen to them because I'm looking here on Wikipedia at The Last Hero. 
And it actually, in the way you describe it, it does sound like something that I should probably listen to and spend some time with. So there are definitely some kind of lighter material on there, but it's really cool work, and it isn't just cookie-cutter radio rock that they're producing. So uh, definitely worth a listen. Mm. And if you don't like it, then, you know, that's that's cool too. Hey, as long as you give everything a try, right? You never know what you're going to like. We're talking about music and not drugs, right? Do you try everything? No, we're now back to talking about music. Okay, Okay, I'm just making sure because that try everything once, like how many different aspects of one's life can you attribute that to? Well, officer, I was told try everything once. (laughs) Okay, so yeah, I'm going to put them on my list here. To listen to and uh, i'll get i'll get to them so how fairly let's, quick let's put up a, a track let's yeah. put up a song okay sure oh wow already like this riff already right yeah so i think they're overlooked by just the stigma of yeah, I think I just creed. can't get over the Creed aspect of it. But then again, that's... Uh, how long ago was that? Let's just bring that up on here. Well, 1995? I think so. Was when that first song came out? I'm looking to see when the first album was released by Alter Bridge. Oh, Alter Bridge. Right. Sorry, I, I was thinking of Creed. Uh, 2004, so it has been 15 years. There Bam. You go. Yeah. Holy shit. But yeah, I remember listening to that with our buddy Justin... Yes. Didn't I? Did not sound like this. So either my memory serves me wrong, or they have really progressed. They progressed. There you go. They for sure have gotten edgier and looser with their guitar playing, and looser being just heavier. Like they're not necessarily conforming to the constraints of radio rock. Even though they have the radio rock sound, mm-hmm. they still you know. They got clean vocals behind big choruses and stuff, so it definitely can get played on radio, but it isn't like they're setting out to produce the next big single. Well, it definitely has that, uh, like, stadium rock vibe to it. The big chorus, you know, the... Big, massive single note riff in between. Like, come on! This is pretty rad. And it's great production, Mm -hmm. which... It sounds good. I'm all about good production and bad production. (laughs) <laughs> or no production. <laughs> oh, yeah. I guess there's... Because it depends on the genre or the band or the music. Totally, man. I love... Big shout-out here to uh, my buddies in Charlie Handsome and the Brats locally. Uh, they record their stuff all to cassette. And it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just radio rock. Not radio rock. They're, uh, sorry, they're party rock. Mm. I don't know. They're kind of Some kind of rock and roll. Shit rock. I guess. I don't know. Is that a genre, shit rock? Well, ask them. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I'm ask pretty, them. I'm pretty sure uh, Adam would confirm that they are shit rock. So do you classify yourselves as shit rock or just regular rock? Yep. I'm pretty sure he would gladly answer that as a... Yeah, Hell I'm, yes. I'm quite enjoying this, yeah. Yeah, if I can bring him up on Spotify, I'll listen to the whole album. Totally. You know, Miles Kennedy's voice just isn't for everybody, but I like it. Mm-hmm. I think he's got a good voice, and and it's good. 
good. It's good. There you go. It is good. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that. Good. Thank you. Converted you. Yes. You did. You converted me. I'm Another one on for me. Wagon. Better write that down. Write it down. One point for Terrence. See how many crappy bands I can con uh, convert you to listen. <laughs> crappy band? You weren't calling them crappy earlier. Oh, like yeah. Minutes ago. <laughs> uh, you tricked I mean, me. The, the best band I've ever heard in my entire life, bro. Oh, okay. There we go. Right on. Okay. You got to listen to them more. Listen I will. Listen to more. Well, I'll start listening to them, and then I'll listen to them more. Okay. All right. Uh, so what's been happening in metal this week uh well i went to a couple of shows at moon's post oh there yeah was, yeah there was one on thursday uh that was the 14th of march there was um enterprise earth from spokane a deathcore band that came through town deathcore they were uh supported by uh ether uh california technical deathcore which is then more like death metal technical death metal slash deathcore uh, and then they were also <laughs> supported by uh, a band from Victoria called The Vultures and a local band Vultures. called Ugly who played their first live show. Whoa. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. It so was... what are Vultures? What are Vultures? Yeah. In terms of uh, music style. Oh, uh, they are uh, like a, a hardcore. Death? No, nope. no. They're hardcore metal kind of. Like Ugly was definitely more hardcore punk style and then the vultures were a little bit more metal that's cool yeah yeah and i i quite enjoyed it i'm not a big fan of hardcore not a fan of metalcore kind of a fan of deathcore now because i've been listening to them to that genre a lot lately and it's really starting to to get to me why? in a good way why why what why are you getting into it why deathcore why not? What I, do you like about Deathcore? Uh, I like that the... I actually kind of like the vocal style that I'm hearing. In okay. the bands that I've listened to, like Enterprise Earth and, and Ether, and right. a couple of other ones that I came across, you know, in like the recommended songs. I can't remember what they are now. But uh, I like the vocal style. I like the fact that it is a mix of kind of like a hardcore punk or rock mixed into metal. So it's like, I'm kind of thinking it's like, like this wave of metal in North America that is more influenced by music that was created in North America rather than music that was created in Europe or somewhere else. Deathcore, you mean? Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's quite prevalent in the last decade or so. Mm -hmm. Lots mm -hmm. of deathcore bands. You know, it, I think it was a <clears throat> kind of like a bastard stepchild of the metalcore scene too, mm -hmm. where. Mm -hmm big chuggy breakdowns kind of rules the the majority of the song but they can traverse clean singing mixed in with uh super angry growls and stuff um i just kind of think it depends on the band you know mm -hmm. the because mm -hmm. was it last week that we asked the guys why is deathcore the new new metal yeah that's right yes and it, yeah i just think the the scene itself scene or the subgenre is just kind of run its course maybe a little bit and people are kind of going other directions well I, when i'm listening through like i was listening through um ether's discography yeah and i noticed that their style them and enterprise earth both were quite similar where their style was more of like the core sound 
that okay. you're used to hearing in like metalcore or deathcore when you hear those those genre terms. Okay. And then um, as their release, as I would go deeper into their discography up to the newest releases that are either out or coming out, um, I noticed that there's a lot more metal influences. So maybe that's the fact that um, that music is more global where it's easier to find music that's not from this area and then get influenced by it. Or if it's the fact that the genre has grown stale because compared to rock and metal, deathcore and metalcore, which is in between everything, really only has this much room to move yeah. before it goes into a different genre. And if it extends from hard rock and core, I'm guessing the only place it has to go after that is metal. It's kind of going in that direction. I would say that there's a couple bands that I labeled as deathcore in previous releases that have gone almost more traditional style, like metal in their most current releases. Um, Whitechapel being one of them. Definitely more straight up black metal, straight up death metal on the most recent tracks that have been coming out. Like from the Valley, right? Like the new album, The, the Valley? The new album, exactly. Yeah. And uh, Black Tongue. Mm-hmm. They were, seemed to me like the quintessential deathcore they're from Britain, so they had other different influences, but really slow, doomy, one note when you think you can't drag out four notes, these guys managed to drag it out. I thought they did that subgenre quite well, the deathcore stuff. So when the new album came out, I was pretty surprised that it was more linear into typical metal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was welcomed. I think they do it well. I mean, a good band is, is a good band, and um, it's just a stylistic choice on their end, I suppose, because the maybe the scene has just kind of dried up, and mm-hmm. they want to try new soundscapes or, or I don't know, go in a different direction. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so I felt that Ether put on a hell of a good show. I couldn't believe how good it was. Uh, they were really fucking into it. And the fans were into it, too. They were even crowd surfing in Moonins. Whoa. Yeah, it was sold out. Nice. Uh, yeah, it was it was a really intense show. Um, uh, Enterprise Earth. Okay, so I have to say, um, with a band like Enterprise Earth, uh, it's one of those ones... I always feel like there's two different types of bands when I listen to music. It's like there's um, bands that I listen to their studio albums, and right away, it, either right away or it grows on me, but it clicks and goes, wow, this... They're, what they do in the studio is unreal. I'm sure that when they play live, it's going to be just as good. Then there's other bands that I listen to their studio albums, and I think, ah, uh, you know, it's not not my kind of thing, but if they come to town, I'm going to check them out and, and see how it goes. And I would say that Enterprise Earth was definitely one of those bands where I was listening to their albums going, you know, it's it's it's, it's good, it's all right, I, I, I'm enjoying it, but it's not my favorite thing ever. And then when I saw them live, it was just like a switch. It was like, holy fuck, I understand why they've got, you know, as many fans as they do. Awesome. Yeah, it was well, really good. Totally. And I, I do uh, have that same kind of feeling towards certain bands where the expectation or when you just listen to the album and it's difficult to kind of capture that live sound. And it could be just due to budgetary constraints or... Uh, lack of feeling because sometimes the musicians themselves have a hard time putting in this same kind of energy recording as they do when they perform live so there's it could be any 
multiple issues. Mm-hmm. Um, but even just speaking locally, there's some local bands that I may not have listened to on my own had I discovered them organically, but because I'm friends with them, I may like them a lot more, or they may have a, a better live performance than on a recorded one. So, like, nothing sucks more than having a band that has a really awesome sounding album and recordings, and then you see them live, and it's like, what? How, how is this even the same band? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'd rather be one over the other way. Mm-hmm. Eh, the album's kind of, kind of a six out of ten. Go see them live, and you're like, okay, well, that they just rocked an eight out of ten type performance. So now I'm a going to be a fan. I find myself enjoying going to shows, expecting it to be different than than the album, rather than going to a show, loving the album, and expecting an awesome show and being disappointed. Yeah. Right. Totally. Uh, the other show that was in town was on Saturday the 16th, and that one was uh, a couple of local bands and a couple of Vancouver bands. Yep. Um, there was Eden Echo played. They're a progressive power metal band, which is like, I'm trying to find... A description of them, and I think the closest I could get would be like early Ensephirum and early Winter Sun, but I still because it's not like that kind of. So it's not like Camelot power metal. No, not like there's no keyboards. <laughs> there's nothing like that. It's not definitely not that you know epic Hammerfall. No, not that uh, either. No, no. Or what's that other one? Manowar. Manowar. No, <laughs> not that either. Because those are two power metal, right? Yeah. So, but this is a little bit more like. The riffs and the style is more like, I would kind of say melodic death, but the vocals are power. Gotcha. Okay. It kind of. Uh, it was, I think they've only played like half a dozen shows. Uh, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, they only started playing last fall, I believe. And oh. they are playing in the Battle of the Bands This that's happening this weekend at Moon's Post. Um, but I really liked it. They played three songs and did really well. Um, oh yeah, and I have it listed here that they kind of sound like Rhapsody. Or I guess okay. nowadays Rhapsody of Fire, but I'm thinking like old Rhapsody from like Emerald Sword kind of days. Right. Okay. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. They didn't have much of a presence uh, live, like on the stage, which is okay. I mean, they're just starting out, right? So that's that's fine. But uh, the music sounded good. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then the other band from Kelowna that was playing was The Unending, which is yes. Tyler's band, which is one that's been around for a while, but it has been on hiatus. But he's been writing music, I, like I'm crazy. guessing, the whole time. And it was rad. Like, I could not believe how good they were. It was incredible. That's it's, rad. Yeah. Tyler's uh, stage presence, Spencer's stage presence was just unreal. It was so good. Like, um, they had lots of inten- intensity and uh, lots of energy, and they sounded really good. And everybody was really into it. Awesome. Yeah. And I think they're playing again in a couple of weeks. And, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing them again. I do remember that name from many years ago, probably because I've seen a few bands that they were uh, shared a bill with. with like, what did they say four years ago? Uh, I think he said the last gig was four and a half or five years ago. Okay. And then they've been around for nine years, I believe. Oh, right. Yeah, I probably have definitely. I might have even done some for them at one point. Yeah, you might have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Tyler's a really cool guy, and I can't wait to get him on the show because he's pretty pumped to, to come on here. He's um, doing, I think he said that they're going to record an EP sometime in the next few months, and then he wants to come on the show and promote it. 
for our five listeners that will buy it off Bandcamp, right, everybody? <laughs> what? We're on Bandcamp? <laughs> no, we're not on Bandcamp. Oh. Because we're not a band. We're a podcast. Well. <laughs> the other two bands were uh, Technical Damage that plays a progressive death metal, uh, kind of like metalcore, um, if you listen to them. They have like a lot of experimental parts where it's kind of like uh, machine driven, like a kind oh. of like a machine kind of sound. Yeah. With the riffs, or uh, I could I can't say uh, gent, but kind of reminds me of that. Like almost industrial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I thought they were good. I like their music. Uh, I've I've listened to the album a number of times, like their their newest release, and I quite enjoyed it. And I thought that they put on a really good show. And I got some good footage of them as well that they've been awesome. they were quite appreciative of. Uh, the other one was Truant from Maple Ridge. Oh yeah, sorry, go back. That is Tyler Lawrence. Oh god. Oh god. <laughs> I should I say oh god just because I should have known that. I feel like a poo poo cock of that. Sorry, Tyler. I wasn't quite sure of his last name, but there we go. Sorry, Tyler. I know you're probably punch me in the nuts the next time you see me. But You're live on the episode, right? Well, maybe, maybe, and we'll post it on YouTube and sure. then earn a million views and make some money. Yeah, absolutely. 20 grand will buy us a nice setup. <laughs> One can hope, right? <laughs> and all it cost was a punch in the nuts. Oh, yeah. No. Um, yeah, so Truant is, you've, have you listened to Truant? Nope. They are like a mix of, I would say like heavy... As a really heavy thing by SYL, their first album, Strapping Young Lad. Neat. With System of a Down. That's an odd influence. Yep. And maybe a bit of like a Fear Factory type of thing going on. They've got oh. some real licks and melodies that really sound like System of a Down, like influence. But then the riffs are very, again, machine-like. And the only thing mm. I can kind of think of is like a Fear Factory or like an early Devin Townsend kind of thing. Or strapping on a lad. <laughs> they call themselves Groove. Yeah, and they definitely are groovy. And they put on a really good show. Uh, it was super intense, cool. but the only problem was their singer Johnny had injured his left wrist. Oh, shit. So it was, uh, he had it all wrapped up, and he did the vocals, didn't play guitar, because he's normally a vocalist and guitarist, right. and they had a shorter set than usual. Damn. Yeah. Well, get better, ready. Yep, I hope you're feeling better soon. Well, that seems like uh, an awesome couple days of music. It was. Oh, that show was also sold out as well. So that is two show, two metal shows at Moonen's Post that were sold out in the same week. Very nice. Mm-hmm. It's good to see that there's a good, strong little following happening. Absolutely. People showing up to these shows. It's putting on shows and, and whatnot can be pretty unnerving. So good on you, Kelowna, for supporting the music local mail scene yeah come on out and keep on supporting it all right have you uh been listening to anything new lately there terrence well yeah i've been checking out this band called spirit box pretty heavily they have been releasing trickling out new songs for a new album coming out uh i don't know why i kind of missed this band before it's kind of kind of weird actually so it it just popped in my my uh, suggested videos on youtube and it was a vocal 
live performance in the studio from the singer Courtney. And that was already posted like well over a year ago. So I'm really behind the ball on this. <clears throat> but I think I had seen a video of theirs before and I just kind of passed it off. But then I saw this vocal performance thing and just see the kind of the energy that she puts into her vocal style. And I was really impressed with how aggressive her vocals can be. Mm-hmm. Like she can push that pretty hard. So, uh, and then I just got into, got curious and listened to all of the new tracks that they've released trickled out. And it's pretty technical stuff. Like it's like progressive hardcore. Like I don't know what else to really kind of call it, but you know, maybe there's periphery slash Meshuggah influences in the songwriting but the vocals range from clean to like hardcore esque screams and growls. So mm. uh, lots of variants, lots of dynamics, and they're from Victoria. So I've been listening to them quite a bit in the last four or five days. Wow, wow, yeah, I heard that one song that you um, you sent me, and I was quite impressed. And I definitely have to check out more. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Throw up if you can. Yeah, let's see what we can find here. Um, the beauty of suffering. I do like that mix of intense music and riffs with the clean female vocals. Yeah, I like even that. what the guitars are playing on the lighter parts, it's still tense. You know, there's not... Now, is the... There are... You So you just mentioned there are lighter parts to it. Yeah. The music. So is it now like Ginger, where there are parts where it actually sounds like a different song? Yes. And then it goes back to... Yeah. Uh, the, the whatever was playing previously. Like I said, they can be fairly progressive in their uh, material. So it can range, you know, pretty light, spacey, atmospheric kind of stuff. And then go into the low chugga, chugga, chugga type thing with the, you know, the blank, blank guitar things. You know? <laughs> Open stuff chords. That's, yeah, you know, the stuff that's kind of. Um, zero zero common. zero zero. Yeah, right. <laughs> and lots of cool little licks and stuff. So, for whatever reason, it just really j- jived with me recently. And it sounds good. Like I like that this riff right now. It sounds really nice. Yeah, I dig it, man. So, uh, big ups to them, and maybe we'll see them on a podcast or have them bring them up to play a show or something like that. That'd be awesome. I'd love to have them on the podcast. Their, their game is just a matter of uh, when. Mm. They don't know when they're going to be up, but uh, they said that they're totally interested. So let's make it happen, y'all. Okay, so I'm going to mention a couple of bands here. Yeah. Uh, they are not from Canada. Why? 
Because they're not. Okay, cool. <laughs> so there's um, these are both melodic death metal bands that play a similar style, but yet not similar style. And they both release new albums on the same day. Well, okay. With similar looking, but not similar looking covers. Uh, one of them is called Meadow's End with uh, the Grand Antiquation. And the other one is Brymere's Wings of Fire. So they're so similar they're not? Yes. Or, okay. Does that make sense at all? Because sure. I've been listening to these two albums, like almost one after another, yeah. I'd say maybe half a dozen times in the last couple of weeks because they came out on the 8th, like um, more in the beginning of this month. And um, they sound very similar at first until you start listening to all the fine details. Mm. And... Um, uh, Metal's End plays this style of Swedish melodic death metal that is more uh, more epic and drawn out. Like the melodies are more drawn out. Um, they last a little bit longer throughout the the court or the verse or the chorus. Okay. Um, and they have uh, both bands have keyboards, and Metal's End is more of that epic style, adding the atmosphere, the the drawn out chords or the choir uh, keyboards. Um, helping to build that epicness and especially during like the intros to the songs tied Sweet. together with some of the riffs whereas uh Brymere has more of that like power metal Stradivarius style keyboards Brymere is from Finland so of course they're going to be influenced like that right what about vocally uh vocally they're both very similar vocally okay. they both have uh that melodic death metal vocalist where it's like the articulated growls as well as female vocalists Okay. Adding in, not not throughout each song, but kind of like uh, where it fits in on whatever track it is that, that they have it on. Uh, so it's like, and but then Brymere also has the um, atmospheric keyboards as well, along with um, uh, the melodic melody-driven keyboards and the much faster pace, kind of similar to like Children of Bodom. Sweet. So it's like uh, two similar styles of melodic death metal, but also not similar and i can't even decide which album i like more because they're both they both have different aspects of that genre that i quite enjoy okay well i'm gonna throw them both on a playlist tomorrow and just hit random and just see <clears throat> uh what it is exactly you're talking about with the this uh, being so similar mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it, yeah it's definitely worth checking out um and it's funny because uh meadows end has um their the opening track is called uh, uh, de-evolution and it has a solo on there by tommy rainseed which i might be pronouncing wrong yeah. uh, he had a power metal band in sweden called rainseed put out half a dozen uh, um, albums and then disappeared Whoa, okay and he i wasn't I, after he had stopped putting out albums in about 2013 i kind of stopped following until a new one came out and figured i'd pick up again but apparently he had joined uh sabaton as a guitarist oh. and so he joined it, the dark side did he yeah he, it's almost like yeah it's almost <laughs> like he um used his rainseed project to put out music to get himself a gig with a bigger band Interesting. Yeah, and now he did a solo on the new uh, Meadows End album, which is great. I wasn't sure what, because it said featuring Tommy Rainsey, and I wasn't sure if he was going to do vocals or um, or a solo, and yeah. it turned out that he did a solo. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, you weren't kidding that they have very similar 
album art. Yeah. They both have <clears throat> an angelic angel type thing. One of them is more fantasy. The other one is more like heaven versus hell. Right. Which is maybe the difference. But it's very. But I looked at them like, wow, these. There's a lot of similarities between this. Okay. Well, I will report back next week with uh, my verdict on which one is cool or not cool. Maybe they're both not cool. We'll see. All right. I've What's also... your take on the albums? Like, which one do you oh fancy more? Which one do I prefer over? Yeah, the other one. Um. I don't know. It's hard to say because I'll listen to one and go, okay, this is the one I prefer more. And then I'll listen to the next one and go, no, wait, this is the one I prefer more. And I think it might depend on my mood. I like the Meadows End album. Uh, it's more of like kind of like a Wolf Heart kind of um, vibe to it. And uh, it, it's, it's one where I kind of have to be more in the mood for to listen to, whereas Brymere has this fast-paced blast beats like, if you like fast-paced metal, you could just put on any of the songs and away you go. Cool. What I'm going to use as a barometer for this is uh, I won't be looking at my phone when songs change or artists change. Mm. And what I'll, I'll just take note every single time. Like, if I like something, have a look and determine, oh, yeah, okay, it was band A or band B. And then every single time that I keep doing that, well, apparently... Just kind of keep a mental tally and just see who comes out on top. So, cool. It is literally Metal's End versus Brimir. <laughs> yep. All right, to the death. Let's see who wins. Death match. Um, I've also been listening to the new Hannes Grossman album. Kit. Um, I actually I have to look it up here real quick to see the name because I honestly can't even remember what it's called. But luckily, everything has a quick link, so it is called Apophnia. And it is, uh, it's really good. I, okay. I quite enjoy it. He is the, it's a progressive technical death metal band, and he plays the drums, and he's got a whole bunch of guest vocalists here. Uh, I'll show you the lineup here if you want to just quickly go through. Or maybe he just has one. Marty Freeman. Sorry, he oh. has many guest uh, guitarists, but only one vocalist. Gotcha. Oh, Jeff Loomis as well. Yep. Did a, the solo on track one, and Marty Freeman... Guitar solo on track four, very neat. I don't know who Christian Munzer is. I'd have to look him up. Uh, doesn't ring a bell at the moment. I can't remember, actually. I think I looked him up earlier. What is... You said he is also a different vocalist? Uh, no, sorry. I, I, I meant guitarist. But, guitarist, uh, okay. Yeah, just the one vocalist. Um, what I... Uh, it, it's a good album. Uh, it's not... I wouldn't say it's it's catchy in any way. Um, there's maybe one song that stands out in my mind, which be uh, the War on Intelligence, gotcha. um, because maybe it's the the vocals might just be a little bit more easier to understand, so it's a little bit catchier mm -hmm. to listen to. Um, I really enjoy listening to like the whole the whole album is is, is fantastic. Um, but what I found really interesting is that uh, Hannes Grossman also plays drums on the new Gamora album, which is uh, Kelowna. Um, technical death metal band or, yeah. or experimental thing, uh, which is really interesting. Totally. And then when I was digging in deeper, I found out that Hans, Hannes uh, Grossman also did drumming on the um, Gladius Sky album from 2015. That is crazy. I yeah. So dudes out in Gamora got to let us know how you got hooked up with uh, Hans Grossman. 
well, maybe we should reach out to them and get them on the show. Totally. Well, we're gonna we're shouting them out right now, calling them out. We want to know, so you better tell us. Call us in live on the air. We're waiting, Gamora. We want to know. <laughs> Christian, uh, Christian Moon, Moonzer, Moonsner. Uh, let's see if he's in anything that we recognize here. Mm, I don't nope. recognize any of those. Oh, Eden, uh, what is that one? Eternities? No, I've never heard of that one. No, no, I don't know any of those bands. I'm not cool enough. No. Oh, Obscura. Okay, he did some Obscura guitar, guitaring. Okay. I'm not familiar with Obscura. Yeah, they're another technical I, death metal band. I remember Europe. the name, yes, but uh, just music-wise, I'm not really uh, up-to-date on their stuff. So I think a few people in the past have mentioned that band. Anyway, that's neat. And, and then I got to I got to do a shout shout out to my buddy uh, from Finland to Lasse Terve nice. Lasse, he um, he gifted me for my birthday the new uh, Winter album. Whoa, uh, Morkrits Tid, that which is... Um, it is now uh, the the artist uh, Christian Alvestam. He was the singer for uh, Scar Symmetry and uh, Solution Forty Five before starting this new project which is um i believe he does everything on it let's see here yeah right uh, i think it says down here somewhere right around here vocals guitar bass programming yeah so he does the whole thing which is really cool and you listen to it and it um it's very it's a melodic swedish melodic death metal so it's you know your typical typical uh death metal from sweden but uh i feel i feel like he's been in i mean the guy's been in like a dozen different projects yeah and eventually he i think he's finally found kind of his own niche in the metal world uh creating his own little style and and what he has going on there and it sounds really good and i really hope he keeps up with this project awesome well yeah. i will check that out as well maybe in the next three weeks sounds good yeah we can do a follow-up on that yeah three weeks from now I'll set a calendar <laughs> i will set that in the calendar you got to remind me Sure, okay. Okay, I'll totally check it out, though. Have you heard the new Blackguard single? Blackguard? The front woman, Morgan Lander, performing guest vocal spot? Heck no, I haven't. Not because I don't like Kitty or anything, just, I don't know, I just haven't heard it. Is it good? Uh, yeah, um, Blackguard is like a folk melodic death metal band from Quebec. Quebec. And I feel like I, I I wasn't a big fan of their second album. I liked their first album, but I feel like it was quite generic. Um, which is not not always a bad thing. I mean, if you're into that style, then you just want more of it. True. But this, I actually quite enjoyed this single. And they have a new album. They dropped the single and then announced the new album on the same day. And it's coming out in the next couple of months. I would say maybe May. Okay. And it actually sounds pretty good. Yeah, I'm, I'm oh. quite enjoying it. I'm just having a quick peruse through the latest metal tracks on Spotify because that's kind of my gauge on what's new. And I, at the moment, I don't see it there. So I will save it. And I will have a listen to that sooner than later. Okay. I actually did enjoy 
Kitty back in the day. Yes, so did I. Um, especially with that Into the End album. Uh, their third, third album. album? Yes. Where yes. It went way more hardcore, straight up metal than their previous two releases, which were some kind of new metal hybrid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were what they were. Definitely signs of the time. Like, if you're to listen to that first album, you're like, oh man, it is so. <laughs> so 1990 something. Oh yeah, it was it was like a corn ripoff. I mean, I, I enjoyed it, but it was definitely a corn ripoff. For and, sure. And their second album was a little bit more metal, but I still felt was, like you said, just part of what was going on at the time. Yeah. Um, so that when the third album came out, I was happy that uh, it was so heavy. In re- you know frame of reference, of course, to their previous two albums, not to other albums that came out that year, but. Yeah, of course. Of Within course. the kiddie sphere, it was pretty dang heavy. <clears throat> it was. Not and bad. then they kind of moved on to, because I don't even think they had like any um, real like death metal riffing on it. Maybe maybe on like Into the End. But I felt like their later albums after that, which I haven't invested a lot of time into, but I have, I have heard. Until the End. Oh, sorry. So until actually, the end. Oracle was their second album. Yes. I seem to remember that album now that I look at the cover. The being pretty heavy. Bottle. Yeah, and I think if I remember correctly, they covered Pink Floyd on it. Yeah, Run Like Hell. And I do remember I just by looking at the names, I remember Wolves in in Winter was one that I quite enjoyed. I'll have to go back and listen to them. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Memory has served me incorrect. I thought there was an album in between those two that uh No, I think they put out an E P. That may have been it then. But then um, I remember I wasn't big on Funeral for Yesterday, but then I do believe that their albums after that, In the Black and I Failed You, were more metal. Yeah, I think so. But I, I haven't stopped listening. I, I think I just moved on to other things during that period in my life. Yes, same with me. But it might be worth going back and um, taking another listen to them. Sure, bro. Absolutely. Here's another new track for you. Have you listened to the new Amon Marth? No. Is you... it rad, bro? Yeah. Do you want to hear it? Heck yeah, I do. All right. We'll put it on. What's not to love about Viking metal? Yeah, exactly. Even if they don't really call themselves Viking metal. What do they call themselves? Just death metal that sing about Vikings. Although <laughs> they're actually melodic death metal. Okay. But they just sing about Vikings. And I was I was doing some research for an episode that we could do on them. Nice. And um, uh, Johan said that uh, you, you can't classify a band into a genre depending on what their lyrical theme is. You can't? No. That's a load of crap. Because he said then if you were to do that, then almost every band in Europe would be a Viking metal band. Because at some point they've sung about Vikings. <laughs> or Lord of the Rings or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Lord of the Rings metal band. Everybody's Lord of the Rings metal bands. Oh, not another one of those Lord of the Rings metal bands. How many songs about hobbits do we have to listen to? Seriously. <laughs> well, I don't know. I would listen to all of them. Okay. I don't know why you would, though. 
that doesn't sound like a good time to me. <laughs> Just the research that would go into finding all the songs about hobbits. You may have uh, biting off a little more you can chew. All your research into hobbits, though, could be done by just listening to the music and reading the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> you could do both at the same time, right? Get two birds stoned at once. <laughs> yeah, I love getting two birds stoned. I've never read Lord of the Rings, but I know all, everything that happens because of all the hobbit metal that I listen to. <laughs> hobbit metal. <laughs> oh, yeah, this sounds pretty rad already. Yeah, it sounds it's like a Monomar. Dang, son. It sounds better than most of the stuff I heard on their previous album, Yom's Viking. You weren't digging the last album? Uh, it was kind of like a step sideways to what they were used to putting out. Because I feel like they, from the very beginning, because this, this is like their 12th album now or 11th album. And it's like every album was a progression of what they've done, but they're just perfecting their sound. Right. And then Yom's Viking, to me, was kind of like a sidestep. Was like, okay, we've done all this melodic death metal, but here's something a lot more melodic. Like uh, Raise the Horns or The Way of Vikings. Gotcha. And then this one here, just listening to this track so far, sounds like a much more natural progression of their regular sound into something new. Gotcha. Well, I'm digging it so far, man, so... The rest of the album is going to be similar to this. It'll be quite promising. Yeah, and they always seem to put out their singles are usually always songs that showcase what the album's about. So, yeah, right they, they're not used... They don't normally put out, you know, different... Not that they've ever recorded songs that are different than what's on the album. Mm. So, yeah, it could be good signs. Awesome. Nice chuggy part there. And they're not a band that's ever really been crazy on solos and, and more about writing good riffs and melodies, so. I can totally get behind that, dude. Right on. Man, yeah, okay. I'm actually getting pretty pumped for that. Mm-hmm. I think the album... I was zoning out there, just grooving away. Grooving away with some Vikings, hey? Yep. Wish I was a Viking. No, I don't. I, I'm fine. <laughs> I like Viking metal, though. There we go. So, hey, Eric. Uh, yes, Terrence. Remember that time I sent you that uh, video on YouTube? Some guy hooked up his computer to, or not, he had his printer somehow play the MIDI track to the Doom uh, episode one, map one. Yes, E1M1, my favorite Doom song. I, I watched that, and I loved it. I, I enjoyed it, and I laughed at it, and I might have cried a little bit because of how beautiful it was. Oh, I love Doom memes. I can't believe that there are so many Doom memes out there. There is. There's a whole subreddit dedicated to Doom memes. <laughs> um, dude, just, I don't know, figured it out in some way to, I think he said he reset his drivers of his sound card to go to the printer. I don't know how he was able to do that. Um, and then a little thing in the description, like how he, he said that. And it just, it, was and a, it made the, the astonishing part is it's one of those dot printers, like the really super loud, noisy ones. Yeah. The dot matrix printers. So e, e, e. And it produced sounds that were pretty un similar to the actual uh, album itself. So really surprising. Mm hmm. 
good chuckle. Liked it a lot. And I'm glad you liked it. Yeah, I did. I was, uh, yeah, I quite enjoyed it. I listened to almost the whole thing. Yeah, because it's probably my favorite song from any of the Doom soundtracks. Is that E1M1. So iconic. Yeah, it absolutely is. How iconic? So iconic. Everybody recognizes it. Yep. Well, yeah, well, I mean, if you any kind of gamer, I guess, would if you've been into first-person shooters, I, I would imagine there's probably some younger people now who've not heard it, but definitely our age group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, man. And the Doom didn't. soundtrack is always one that's been accepted by video game fans as well as fans of heavy or extreme music. Right. It's been very universal. Absolutely. Well, it... There are a few videos of how it ripped off other heavy metal artists, which is really funny. It's kind of quirky, but there's, as far as I can, I can tell, there's no actual lawsuits of these artists suing the uh, original composer. I think they were maybe just too dissimilar enough to kind of, or maybe the bands just liked the <laughs> the the push. They're like, hey, we're in doom. Yeah, totally right. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Doom, man, we could talk about Doom for days. We could. Uh, Welcome to the 24-hour podcast about Doom. Well, right? That 2016 reboot? Man, that soundtrack written by that dude, Mick Gordon. Holy shnikes, man. Mm-hmm. So you did watch that uh, uh, other YouTube video that I sent to you where he was at a conference or something of some kind of gaming sound design conference where he was talking about how he uh, came up with all the different sounds and all that stuff for the soundtrack. And it's awesome. It was about an hour long. Uh, I think it was exactly an hour long. Yeah. Yeah. I did watch, I watched the whole thing. It was awesome. I loved it. Oh dude. Mick Gordon is freaking, he's a genius when it comes to creating the doom soundtrack. Yeah. And somebody sitting at home may not actually think, Oh, well it's just a, a metal album. But I think it fully encompasses the the ferocity and pushes the pace of what kind of, like the gameplay style and it fits the game perfectly. And what is genius and part of the soundtrack building is you really need to watch that that thing where he breaks down his game plan and he uh, basically came up with four signal chains and had different things running through that to build certain sounds. Um, I think at one point in one of the songs or a few of the songs or a backing amalgamation where he took a clip of a chainsaw, an actual clip of a chainsaw engine running and somehow used a MIDI controller or side chain gating or some kind of thing. So when he played his guitar that sound was incorporated into it which pretty awesome i think he said that it was the actual original sound of the chainsaw from doom right that could have been it totally yeah and he was told uh at the beginning of the video he was told by bethesda i think it was bethesda that said they didn't want any guitars on the soundtrack just synths (laughs) uh yeah this part i don't really understand or why they would present these kind of constraints and i'm so glad he struggled with that and pushed back and just said no this actually needs guitar 
and it's kind of funny too because he goes on there he's like I grabbed my six string I was playing it and it wasn't heavy enough so I grabbed a seven string I played it and it wasn't heavy enough so then I got I think he ended up on either on an eight string or a nine string I guitar think he said nine string <laughs> just to get that that low end kind of uh, uh, sound like the nice high tension rather than just tuning your guitar down to whatever heck um, tuning that would be. But the, the thought process that he put behind in building that soundtrack and was really awesome. And I welcome anybody to, you know, listen to that soundtrack with headphones on because it was mixed to be listened to in a stereo stereo field which albums are yes they are left and right there's albums aren't really produced in the same way as this soundtrack was like there it seems like there's a lot more stereo wider stereo field there's more interesting things going on so it pushes that envelope a little bit more where there's always something happening and it triggers your brain to go oh like I've listened to all, I don't know how many those songs, I don't know how many times, and I'm always hearing something new, Mm -hmm. you know, something fading in or coming out, and uh, it's such a rad soundtrack, and I am super pumped for the the next Doom. Mm -hmm. Dude, I haven't even played the (laughs) remake. The 2016 version? I haven't even played Doom 2016, but I've heard that album for hours. And I've watched hours of video, uh, like the making of soundtrack, just because I got invested into mm-hmm. the whole thing. and To the point where it feels like you played it. It totally does. I, I know what happens in the game. I know the storyline. I'm super pumped for the sequel that I probably won't play. <laughs> <laughs> well, when it comes out, we'll, you'll come over and we'll play it together and we'll do, a, we'll do an episode like, on it. I'll be fine. I'll just, I want to listen to the soundtrack. Stop killing demons. I just want to check out this riff. Stand in the corner and let me listen. Yeah. <laughs> Stop killing demons, bro. And there's still no release date for that either. It's it's supposed to come out. It was supposed to come out, I believe, in April. And now um, I've, it's been pushed back indefinitely. I imagine till the fall. Till like uh, the winter. Maybe closer to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, I th- believe there was something recent as well. You know, Mick is working on... Uh, the sequel soundtrack which is super kick-ass mm-hmm. yeah right and uh guest vocalists which is really interesting so now they're gonna try and incorporate some kind of human vocalist and vocalist or multiple i'm not sure but it'll be interesting to see how this gets incorporated uh, i believe it will be interesting because the fact that the the soundtrack itself is a number of tracks None of them are longer than a few minutes long. Uh, they they create more of an atmosphere, and I I um I mean I, I haven't gone through and dissected it, but from the the dozen times I've listened to the soundtrack over the last few years, um, I don't recognize a, a normal structure to the songs or the tracks. Right. So to incorporate um, vocals into it would be really interesting. Are they totally. going to create? Is he going to create actual songs? Who knows? Because right? he's got uh, Lindsey Ray from the Anchor, uh, a metalcore band, doing vocals, and he also put out an open invitation for a heavy metal choir. 
which on the <laughs> Doom subreddit, they've been posting pictures of people that have been oh, recording. So they've been doing that in the last couple of weeks. Well, dude, if there's if it's anything like his previous thought process from that first soundtrack, and I'm going to reference it again, that, that talk was really awesome. He basically broke it down into four different signal chains and how each one of those signal chains reacted with the other one is how he produced this um, really awesome tone. Like the guitar tone on it is killer. You know, it's, it's unreal. I, it's so easy to pass off that kind of building um, on other stuff and like re standard re recordings. But I like how he just, he put so much thought into it and, if that same level, which I imagine he's probably been given even more creative freedom mm. because of, uh, I mean, he was able to turn the company around from going nothing but synths to, okay, this is guitar music. Mm -hmm. And I mean, there's definitely a few tracks on that. Uh, the first soundtrack, the reboot soundtrack that are, you know, sine wave manipulation. Oh, yeah. You know, there's definitely some tra tracks that are super heavy, but don't have any guitar. Yeah. Or do they? I don't know. It well, could be... we don't know the way that he that he's manipulating the sound. We have no idea how he's but, doing it. Uh, you know, go back to the, the sequel. If he, a heavy metal choir. Can you imagine what that would kind of sound like? 14 people all doing various stages of death growl or metal screams or whatever and how that would actually sound so i imagine cool. yeah i imagine if the game the, the gameplay shows that it it's kind of like a doom 2 hell on earth uh style um, modeled after the second game so very well there could be a lot of growls and screams on there that create this crazy hell on earth atmosphere yeah which looks yeah it's gonna be rad so maybe it's not so much uh, a singular vocalist up front with lyrics but maybe the voice as a instrument set into the soundscape similar to how he uses guitar so who knows mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that's what i'm hoping we'll see this time in six months you know christmas time or the fall fourth quarter maybe yeah when it whenever it comes out When's QuakeCon usually? Um, coming up. I haven't followed that in years. Yeah, I'm not sure. I would imagine they'll probably have their. If they've waited, they're probably waiting for QuakeCon. They could be waiting for QuakeCon or E3 to show more, more footage to um, release the actual date of when the game is yeah. coming out. Give us more information. Maybe release a demo. That'd be nice. Oh man, that grappling chain. Yeah, that looks awesome. Oh, I've I've watched that. How long is it? The twenty-minute gameplay, the one that came out like back last in, year, last June or something. Yeah, man, I'm stoked for a game. I'm not going to play. How right <laughs> is this? <laughs> well, it's got to be better than the Doom Annihilation trailer. Barf! I can't believe this. What? Is, I don't even know what the heck. The Doom memes on Reddit are hilarious. They're, with that they're like so they're just funny. savagely picking this apart. It, it's a direct-to-streaming or demand yeah. a movie that, honestly, it looks the trailer looks boring as hell. Uh, it looks like a, a, a sequel to the original Doom movie that had The Rock in it. Yeah. Is that right? Dwayne and Johnson was in it? Carl Urban. Oh, maybe. Carl Urban, I think he was the uh, protagonist to uh, Dwayne Johnson's 
antagonist. And for a movie that, or sorry, for a game that helped solidify first-person shooters, there was yeah. like, what, 30 seconds of first-person shooting in it? Yeah, and that was the best part of the movie. Yeah. And it was only 25, 30 seconds long. Yeah. It, um, they, they should make a movie like Hardcore Harry. Absolutely. I, I think that's a, a Doom meme read that I saw on the Reddit page where take this, you know, the theme of Doom and just like make it into this, like Hardcore Harry. That movie was shot with such a small budget mm-hmm. and it was so effective. I think I watched it twice. Pretty sure I watched it more than maybe I didn't make it through the second time, but I had to go back to it mm-hmm. because there were elements that you missed and it was really fast paced. The Yeah. You know, the, you got a breathing room and it's a little bit of comedy then it's a whole bunch of rad killing happening right after like why can't they just copy this mm-hmm. yeah don't reinvent don't do a crappy straight to video thing like I, man i just don't get it yeah no i don't either and it feels like they just take the the good old cookie cutter from big, big blockbuster movies and just yeah. stamp out a new movie that's literally the same thing as all the other ones oh man all right so this headline on uh google says that uh, Bethesda, the company that owns the video rights to the video game, they have officially disavowed it. Oh, they've come out to say we have absolutely no part in this garbage. <laughs> Do not complain to us about this garbage. Just wait till you see Doom Eternal, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, why can't you could probably take some gameplay for just take all the those motion sequences out of the and cut it down release that as the movie yeah, everyone would be happy go to the theater and watch somebody play through doom eternal <laughs> yeah come on i would i would watch that i mean sure. i'd watch it on youtube probably but not pay maybe pay if it was rad i mean yeah. how would it not be rad i just i don't understand who is producing this you know a, a subsidiary of universal come on what the heck just tripe. Yeah. And I think it's probably to uh, hold on to the rights to the movie. Because usually with deals like that uh, comes with uh, clauses. If you do not produce material, whether it be screenplay or produce a movie by X date, the rights revert back to the original owners, whoever mm. that may be. They could be creeping up to the end of that. I, I th- They probably were. Yeah. And that's why they turned out this crap fest just to retain those rights. Which, like, look at the list the of point, look at the list of like the writer and the producers. It's it's horrible. Like they haven't done anything. And what they have, you look at it and you just roll your eyes. I think there was like the Scorpion King, and some other garbage. Well, yeah, which Dwayne, just the Rock was in that one, Scorpion King, right? That's the Mummy three or well, Mummy four. Or five? Yeah. How many or other mummies? six or seven or eight? <laughs> There's quite a few mummies. That's a lot of mummies, that is. Ah, I just, I can't get over it. No. So. No, I probably, well, no, it is coming out to streaming, so I probably will watch it if it's on Netflix. I mean, I won't be going to the theater to watch it, but right. nobody will be because it's, it's straight it's to video. It's straight to video. <laughs> to video. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there's already people complaining, too, that, um, that there's controversy surrounding the identity politics coming into it by having a female lead as the so-called doom guy, which 
I don't care who's the leading star, whether or not that person's male or female at all. I just want a good, good movie in general, like uh, Metroid. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. who cares? Who yeah. cares what the anyway? It doesn't matter what think, gender they are. Who cares? Man? I think some of the backlash because of the female lead. Um, I believe the lead actress has like retaliated against uh, some of those uh, naysayers on on Twitter, calling them out. Mm-hmm. But now it's like creating this whole crazy crap storm that you know sh- she's being touted as this isn't for made for for guys. You know, like this, it's <laughs> not made for guys. Yeah, it's crazy. It's so dumb, and I I don't even really want to get into no haters are going to hate the and... whole politic end of it i just want that's... to rant about a crappy game we'll rather just, than we'll just rant, rant about the shitty movie then yeah man then all the haters out there fuck them well There's we way too many we could we could bitch all day about haters right and then we just turn into haters ourselves okay so <laughs> we are going to have to watch this now yeah we, we do we've crap talked it so off so for what, the last 10 minutes all right so when it comes out we're gonna watch it and we will provide a um maybe maybe we'll have like a, a live walkthrough yeah, it says fall of 2019, so it might come oh, out. It might come it. out. The, <laughs> it might come out the same time that Doom oh, Doom Eternal comes out. This and if so it does, funny. we could do an episode where we review Doom uh, Annihilation and Doom yeah. Eternal. Right. This is so funny. Where we, we just eternally praise Doom we and we annihilate know. the movie. Oh, <laughs> we don't even know when it's going to come out, but what the heck? Why? Why? I don't know. They can't even afford a release date. Is how small of a budget. <laughs> they only had enough money to make a trailer. So don't worry, people. To, Your precious game's out, not getting ruined. They had to put out the trailer, get all the views to, to generate revenue to create a release date and finish the movie. Oh, man. No, you know who they should get to uh, direct a Doom movie? Not I know the hardcore Henry thing is actually the most ideal scenario mm-hmm. uh but i think someone else in mind would be friggin awesome the guy who did kung fury yes oh if that guy if that guy was given enough money if that guy if i had 10 million dollars i just call him up and be like hey bro i need you to direct this movie about killing demons and stuff he would do it for sure he would probably I mean, he already I mean, did a movie about killing Nazis and stuff, so just replacing <laughs> Nazis with demons and right? the Kung Fu with the Doom Slayer. Oh, man. It wouldn't. It would be way less horror, but it would be pretty... It would have the right kind of style to make to give it that 90s feel. Yeah. And I think it would be just a fun thing. I don't know. Yeah. Whenever I win the lottery, I just, I'm going to go buy a lotto ticket, see if I can get a, a 50 million max, lotto max, and... Let's make it happen. And the first thing you're going to do is <laughs> produce Doom it. Fury. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Doom Fury. I'm going to do it. There you go. Know. You heard it here first. Yeah, I'm going to put it out to the universe and see if I can manifest myself a winning lottery ticket. <laughs> make it happen. <laughs> I posted yesterday on the... Band Dad Collective Facebook group. It's like a nice little Facebook group that Mr. Quinn McGraw and a few other people put together and opposed the question because it came up last week in our last podcast regarding is it acceptable for you to wear your own merch? 
Mm-hmm. Yes, I remember that. And yeah. I posted, uh, proposed this question to other people, and uh, what kind of I also, I actually also googled it or put it into YouTube and and just to see what comes up. And it is such a divisive question. Like it actually, it may cause people to not be friends anymore. <laughs> really? To I don't. That I level, don't know. I don't know. Right? I'm just joking. I that that I'm just joking. I'm embellishing. But it seems like uh, it is all over the place. Some people are just either so absolutely against it, while others feel that it's totally okay. And you know, there's definitely lots of gray area in between. <clears throat> anyway, if it was a spectrum, you know, mm-hmm. hard no to sure where it all all the time. So it seems like I just can't get a, a straight answer. Hmm. But uh, yeah, it's so like I post- everybody has their own opinion on it. Oh man, <laughs> and yeah, like in so the video that I watched on YouTube is probably one or yeah, one of the first ones that came up. Um, the name of the channel is eluding me, but I kind of side with this gentleman's view on it, and I was being really jokey with the the band last week. But when I put more serious thought into it, as to because I'm on the spectrum on the side where I think it's okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's totally okay. I wear Jack of Black shirts. I wear White Knights Finish Last shirts. You know, two groups that I've been part of. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it isn't just you know shameless self promotion. It's also, hey, I'm part of this thing that I'm super proud of, and it's kind of it. I think it, it depends on your intent behind the you know purpose and why you're wearing it. And that's impossible to determine just by glancing at a person. Mm-hmm, for sure. Right? So for myself, and I can only speak for myself, is I've been proud of the music that I've played with, you know, created with Jack Black and played in White Knights Finish Last on bass there. And the designs are awesome. Well, the Jack Black one I did myself, so it's definitely shameless, extra sh- shameless uh, self-promotion. But it's also a good way of starting a conversation about that particular group without even cramming it down somebody's throat. So mm-hmm. I come from like, I'm proud. I wear it. It's kind of like a tattoo. It's mm-hmm. present there and present. Yeah. I'm in agreement with that for sure. But I can totally see if it's a dude using it, using it kind of almost nefariously or too extreme. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you, and, you, 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 you can, generally pick that up off the, the the person that's wearing the shirt as well when you talk with them or, or see them perform on stage yeah you would hope so I, I would really like to think that someone isn't judging me purely if they found out that I was wearing my own band shirt like oh god that guy's a friggin pretentious jerk yeah which would be funny because you've judged me based on the fact that I was wearing a shirt before asking me or getting to know me, which is kind of... You're like on the stage, like, look at me. Well, I'm wearing different. a Dracula black shirt because <laughs> I want everybody to go buy it to, so I can make money. Right. So this <laughs> the video is good. I, I wish... We're, we'll link it in on the blog later. I'll make sure that uh, I get that to you. But yeah, it's... Um, so that guy brought up a really good point for other people like that. It's if you're on a really large bill... And you are wearing it. It is, yes, selfish shame, you know, shameless self-promotion. But when 
your up and coming someone in the audience go hey you know that shirt looked really cool when they go to the merch stand they know to look for that particular design yeah yeah right so there's there's potentially that positive thing into it um when i turned it over to the facebook group what kind of responses did you I, get yeah there's there's a few good ones in here for sure and i like uh Ryan Lorkey from Shreddy Kruger. He's the drummer oh. from Shreddy Kruger. It's the only acceptable when you're on tour and you have no more clean clothes left. <laughs> I can understand that. Sure. <laughs> that makes it's a lot awesome. of sense. You got an endless supply of shirts in your box there. <laughs> totally, right? You just, you're going town to town and you just have zero time. Like, Who has three hours to waste going to a coin op to do some laundry when you're on tour? So I totally understand that. Um, Adam Preston, Charlie Handsome. Uh, he mm -hmm. says if you're in your band, you shouldn't wear clothes at all. Oh, period. Wow. Ever. Okay. Right? One extreme to the other, sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so no clothes. I, mean, I can understand the appeal there too. I mean, you you would get a lot of attention playing yeah. like that, sure. <laughs> uh, we also got Matt Sandy Jr. saying, it's fine, just don't leave your house. <laughs> so go on tour, but don't leave your house. <laughs> no, no, just wear your own shirt, your, your own clothing. Oh, sorry, just, yes. <laughs> you know, in the comfort of your own home. Okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> Which, you know, I, I guess so. But uh, uh, Jason Coster, I wear my band shirt to work if I have nothing else on that given day. And this is the farthest that I have taken it, never in a public place. Oh, wow. Right? Okay. So it's all over the place. Yeah. So it really just depends on, I think, the wearer. It, it depends on the wearer. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. And there's lots of, of um, influences and, and aspects as to why... They would or wouldn't do that. I'm totally fine with it. I mean, if you've got a cool design for a shirt and you want to show it off, why not? It doesn't matter Absolutely. if it's a, a, a company that you have or you work for or if it's a band that you're in or whatever. If it looks cool, go for it. And I, like I said in the podcast with Apollyon, is, um, I like it when the bands do more of like a, a uniform or they wear like the same yeah. style or something. If it fits the, the theme of the band or, or the song or whatever is going on. Um, but, but like you said, like if they're if they're real jerks about about their band and, and their merchandise, totally. then yeah, that's it's a real that's fine not line work. of becoming you know egotistical about it. Um, again, just to reference that YouTube video, he shows a bunch of little clips of people who are wear their own, and it's quite surprising on how extensive that list is. Mm. Aerosmith, Motorhead, Slayer, um, it, it, the list goes on quite a bit, and quite surprisingly, actually. But it's just all intent, right? Oh, for sure. Uh, I do like the um, uniform type thing. It's a type idea. Mm -hmm. uh, when bands just have, you know, the work shirt that's only printed and only the band wears that. I think Soilwork did something like that. Yeah, I think at that, yeah. At one point in their history, like a long time ago. Um, and I believe local band Living Machines, shout out to Quinn again. Uh, I think they also have like specific shirts that they wear with just the logo mm -hmm. or something like that on there too i, I seem to recall wearing or <clears throat> off the top of my head but so now the question is that we've talked about bands wearing their own merch what about people wearing band logos and they don't even know who or where that logo came from i i don't like that at all to me it's um i have to either be an active listener either now or in the past of the band or appreciate them even if I don't listen to the music and I can at least talk about the band 
But um, some of these videos and pictures that we see online where they have no clue that it, they can't even pronounce the name of the band or oh, they yeah. can't even finish saying the name of the band. Like what's that one you were just showing me? Uh, it was that one where the woman was wearing a Metallica shirt or had a Metallica shirt and she was calling it Metallic. I just love the Metallic fonts. I just love the – like not – she's kind of – her mind is blocking out the A. That's at the very end of the word. But the M is there, the same shape on the other <laughs> end. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with that. I think as avid music lovers, uh, metalheads and hard rock kind of people and punkers, they all – you know, it's kind of like a badge of – who they are it's like you're looking into that person's personality by the the type of clothing or to the type of bands that they're supporting by wearing it and it totally gets diminished when other companies take these designs and put them on shirts and like we we're just saying uh, during our break we have no idea if this shirt is actually produced officially by metallica if it is cool you know they've they had somebody buy it but i have a really large feeling that they they aren't even seeing a single dollar of this not that they need it you know? mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. i think it's a huge disservice to the entire um subsect of people who wear band shirts uh as a part of their personality mm -hmm. oh anybody can wear the the nirvana smiley face yeah and i know there are plenty of people who have worn it not knowing that it's even Nirvana or like the Danzig logo. Oh yeah, yeah, that's and another one. Yeah, I have seen that. I think there's this one fitness dude that actually had his entire chest tattooed with that, and I don't even think he. I think he was just a fitness dude. Like he, he, he liked, liked the it. skull design and had it put on him. Like man, granted, Danzig stole. <laughs> he didn't steal, but he he lifted it from a comic book cover. Um, but it's it's iconic. Same thing with Misfits, you know, uh, mm -hmm. tangently uh, related to Danzig, of course. But the Misfits logo is absolutely everywhere. Yeah, that's another one that, that seems to be in a lot of places that it shouldn't be or that you wouldn't normally see it in. Like, yeah, I, I want to know who these people are that are stealing these logos. And and are they just cheap knockoffs or did they actually get the, the, the rights to, to do that? That's what my question is too right i hope that they are officially licensed because a band's got to make money i totally understand that however if it's just being blatantly ripped off and produced and thrown into stores and people are buying them without even understanding that there's you know an entire history behind that particular sugar logo mm -hmm. man that that definitely chafes me the wrong way yeah man it wrestles my jimmies for sure yeah, who cares, right? Yeah. I'm going to punch all, all in the face. That's very punk of you. All of the 60-year-old kids running around with different... <laughs> go to jail so fast. <laughs> I'll just hang out. But... I hope you like jail. <laughs> <laughs> no, I won't actually do that. Come on. But it does uh, get you kind of fired up mm -hmm. thinking that there could be somebody out there. Oh, so actually, here's a... A slight analogy, uh, it, you know, it's tangently related to this. It wasn't a particular band. It was actually comic book characters. Okay. Right? So 
uh, it was a Marvel comic books characters. There's uh, the Inhumans. There's the leader of the Inhumans. It's King Blackbolt and his wife Medusa. And there's this one particular image that is used. Um, like if you're to Google Inhumans or Blackbolt or Medusa, this image will probably show up. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I was out working a show, <clears throat> and one of the bartenders had that shirt on with those two characters. And the thing is, they're they're odd characters. They're like D list characters. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to get past all of the the mainstream characters before you even come tangently close to understanding who these characters are. The Inhumans. So similar to. A, you know, seeing somebody wearing that band shirt, you're like, oh, crap, I love that band. It's like, man, I just finished reading this story arc with Black Bolt. I just finished reading uh, Realm of Kings. Holy crap, it was so awesome. And the guy just totally blankly stared at me like I was speaking a different language. And he's like, uh, what the fuck is that? <laughs> you're right? like, uh, you're wearing the shirt, buddy. Then I had to explain it to him. Oh, well, these are Marvel characters. And really just showed my nerd card. Yeah, these Marvel characters are... And that dude's like, you're a fucking nerd. (laughs) You know, just go back five the last five years of comic book reading and check them out because it's really cool. And it just... That was... That bugged me too because now they're... Obviously, the comic book thing is so massive... Yeah. In popular culture, it is now also um, seeping into that where people are wearing characters that they have no idea who they yeah. are. Becoming the same thing as what happened to like Metallica and Slayer and the big metal bands, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Which is a shame because, of course, when you, like you said, when you see somebody that wears a shirt from a band or, or something pop culture that you're really into and you've just read or listened to or seen, you want to go up and talk to them because you don't you don't see it oh you see it more often nowadays but still it's it's still uncommon right totally it's like hey man you i'm so glad you're wearing that band because i really like their fourth album and the guy's just like what <laughs> just <laughs> totally eyes band. are completely spaced I, I just picked it out of laundry you know oh man yeah bugs me mm-hmm. so yeah i'll wear my own band but I won't wear a band that I don't know. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Case closed. There we go. Case Sealed closed. Yield. Same with me. Absolutely. Uh, what do we have coming up for our shows? All right. So uh, we've got for this weekend, it is the third round of Walking Battle of the Bands. It's at Moon's Post on March 23rd, which is Saturday night. Uh, Northern Steel is playing. They are a band out of Prince George. They're coming down to take part in this uh, battle. Heck of a drive. Yeah, it is. I've not heard them, but I'm looking forward to seeing them. Uh, There is also Eden Echo, who played last weekend. They'll be playing again, as well as Ark and Fire, the power metal band, with Randy. Shout out to Randy. 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 And then uh, Polyon, who was on here last week. They'll be playing as well. And Death Machine, who was here two weeks ago. Awesome. On the show. They're playing as well. It sounds like such a rad lineup. Yeah, it does. There's a good mix. mix. I mean, I don't know what uh, Northern Steel plays, but they've got, you know, some folky metal, some power metal, death metal, blackened death metal. Like, it's going to be a a well-rounded show for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, I definitely aim to uh, make it out to that, at least for, you know, a couple of the bands. May not stay the whole evening because I'm old, and when it gets 10 o'clock, I am, like, 
like ready for bed. I got to go to bed. Give me my pills and put me to bed. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Wear my slippers. (laughs) Well, maybe I'll just wear my slippers to the show. Wear your pajamas to the show, right? And then wear a band shirt from a band that you don't even know, right? (laughs) Oh, man, I got to go pick up a random rando band at the... At Hot Topic? Yeah, Hot Topic. Or what do we have here? Uh, Spencer's. Uh, No, we have Hot Topic, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I go. Never mind. I'll go hot topic. You go to one and then go to the other. Gonna pick out my favorite unknown band. Your your new favorite unknown band. Yeah. <laughs> this this design like totally matches my eye color. It totally matches my personality. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Okay. This sounds like a, a huge plan. Yeah, it's gonna be good. Um. Also, there's some new releases this week from uh, some Canadian bands. Uh, cool. Ottawa death metal act uh, Accursed Spawn have their new album coming out I've listened to it already and it is rad it is so good awesome. like the production is awesome uh, it's straight up death metal like 90s style death metal it's definitely worth checking out yeah okay. uh, there's also from Quebec City The Flaying is releasing their sophomore album um, Angry Undead they play more melodic death metal style a little bit um, experimental kind of stuff I've noticed okay. Uh, very cool though as well I've listened to it uh, at least once I have um, and then I found on Bandcamp this Vancouver act called uh, Groza I'm doing a shout out to them because they put out this demo it's uh, three three tracks one of them is even I believe cut off before the song is even done oh. <laughs> yeah it's like really really uh, raw and uh, death, like straight up death metal as well but I really liked it so I thought it was kind of cool Sweet. so I wanted to give them a shout out as well very nice yeah all right, and uh, I got, I'm working on a few things too. Uh, show wise, tattoo convention, right? I'm plugging away pretty hard at that at the Okanagan Tattoo Show, July 19th, 20th, and 21st. So um, the entertainment schedule is done, and I just got to release it out to the public officially. So watch out for that to come out. And I told you off podcast but i've also got another very cool show announcement on april 22nd i believe is the date that we're going to release it and it's for september that's exciting um prominent canadian heavy metal act nice so i'm pretty pumped and uh i think we're gonna have it at doc willoughby's cool Great, looking forward to that. Fun little room. It'll be pretty intense. And we'll have them on the podcast, right? Well, we'll see. We'll see. I'll ask them. I have uh, definitely asked them. I know a uh, guitar player, you know, kind of casually through through Facebook. These guys have been through town a few times, so it's they definitely have a, a built-in audience. Uh, and in fact, in 2011, I brought them in on a co-headline show <clears throat> with uh, Three Inches of Blood. Wow, awesome. A few years ago, and that's when I was first getting into promoting. Mm -hmm. So I sold it, flashbacks out. It was like well over 600 people crammed in that place. It was so I was probably at that show, because I've seen Three Inches of Blood a few times when they came through. They, well, I mean, they've been here lots. Oh, that might have been been before I even went to Finland, actually. Oh, yeah, this was definitely while you were away. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, April 22nd, I'll... We'll post it uh, both in the uh, Music as Medicine Facebook group or page, sorry, as well, and the Okanagan Tattoo Show. It'll be officially sponsoring that one. So, Awesome. That's what I've got going on. Great. Sounds good. 
All right. I think that's all the time we have. Neat. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this is the Metal as Medicine podcast, and we are on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We have a YouTube channel. Be sure to Google us and find where we are and follow us on whatever you choose. And check out our blog at metalasmedicine.blogspot.com where we post all the links and bands and all sorts of fun stuff. And if you liked any of the bands that we've been talking about today, go check out their band camp and buy their music because that money goes directly to the band. Unlike Spotify Bye. where it's like a third of a cent.